is the Not Ugly Pod, where we talk beauty that's odd. Look, I'm not a rapper, but you get the vibe. Hello, and welcome to the Not Ugly Podcast. I am your host, Sarita Fontanesi, pronouns she, her, and I am joined this week with a truly delightful soul of a human. We are here with Nike. We met through, like, Instagram. And then we met IRL um, last summer during Nike's retreat. And I'm a huge fan. She does incredible work around dismantling white supremacy, specifically within like spiritual businesses and spaces, while also educating the youth by day. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Is there anything you would like to share with the people that I did not already say? I'm an educator and a consultant. I literally just intersected all my interests in one. Yeah, I'm so excited to be on the pod today. It's always refreshing to be a guest on a pod because I have a podcast too. And so I'm just like, oh, I just have to show up. It feels so good. You do not need to work. Black women, we do enough. Well, the first question that I like to ask everyone is if you had a dumb amount of money, so like no bills to worry about, we've never heard of student loans, nothing. You just have this dumb amount of money to spend. What beauty treatment or product are you getting? I feel like I would just invest in like the a day at the spa. I've actually never been to a spa. I've never gotten like an official massage, facial. I actually don't know why. Yeah. I feel like I would just like dedicate my time doing that. And I would take my mother. Oh, I love that. I'm pretty sure she's, she's gotten massages and stuff like before, like that before, but she's also one, like she will not do things for herself. You know, she'll put everyone else before her, like her family. I would like love to do that. Go to Hawaii, but no, they're asking us not to go there. Like, let's actually help them out by listening. (laughs) But like basically the vibe of Hawaii, which is like tropical sun yes luxury vibes but in a sustainable way so somewhere like it could be done more sustainably just jet off and i would guess uh, get us like matching like balenciaga necklaces or something Ooh, yes 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 something to commer- commemorate the trip you know Something that's like the status of like a well-known rapper because you only live once and like you're getting Birkins, like <laughs> yeah, like just because, not even because of anything, but just because, right. just because we can, we've got a lot of disposable income. So my next question, it's simple, it's easy, it's light. What does beauty mean to you? Well, that's such a good question. And beauty to me is just a reflection of like all the inter parts of yourself. And I say that because to me too, like the more I get to know someone, that's when I see their beauty. I don't know if this is like because I'm on the spectrum of asexuality, but it's truly hard for me to dictate someone's attractiveness just based on like how they show up like Mm. physically I need to know other things about them and then it determines how attractive they are yeah so that's what beauty is to me I mean I guess some things I could say like oh that's pretty no actually I don't even do that I need to know like need to see a little bit something more Um, I was actually just talking to someone about this earlier today because we were talking about the perfect match on Netflix like the reality tv show Uh and I was just like I feel like they're just trying to convince 
convince us that these people are attractive. And she's like, no, some of them are attractive. And I'm like, I can't see it because their personality. <laughs> You're like, they're trying to gaslight me into believing. These <laughs> I always feel gaslighted into accepting people. <laughs> I'm like, I honestly don't see it, but okay. (laughs) I truly love and adore that. I think about perhaps some of the people of my youth. I thought that they were really attractive. And then I think about who they were as a person, like, you know, hindsight. And I'm like, wow, that person's trash. And if you showed me a photo of them today, I'd be like, they look like a gremlin. That's a goblin. Yeah. Like I need to know the person out. And this isn't only like attractive and like, romantic, whatever sense, but just like in general, like I need to know something about the person, see a little bit more personality and then their attractiveness or like their beauty forms for me. It's really interesting. Yeah. And it's really hard to date. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it's okay to be selective. You're a Taurus, right? Yes. Taurus, Virgo moon, Scorpio rising. Wow. Yeah. Come correct or don't come at all. Yeah. <laughs> I I bring it up one, you know how much I love astrology and just throwing my life to the stars. But two, you know, something that's really important for a Taurus is that feeling of safety and comfort, which whether it's romantic friendship, and that is something that only can happen over time. I know I, as a Leo, can be very like immediately I'm in it, I'm vibing, I'm whatever. And I can also step away from that and be like, oh, it was just for the moment, like whatever. Mm. But that is definitely not true for any tourists that I know. I saw a meme the other day that was like, the problem with gaslighting is I believe that it's reasonable that someone's in love with me after a week, two weeks, 24 hours. Yeah, love place. bombing. Love bombing. Yeah. yeah, love bombing, not gaslighting. And it was like every Leo placement feels this way. My brain doesn't immediately question, like, why would you be obsessed with me? I'm like, why wouldn't you be obsessed with me? <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. I don't think I have any prominent Leo placements, but I feel that as a Taurus a little bit too, because the whole stubbornness of like, oh, I'm always right. And then also the love of like luxury things. Yes. Um, yes. But my Venus is actually Gemini, which I think like is an attestment to like, I, yeah, so personality is really important. The gift of the gab is really important. It's so much like deeper surface things are really important to me. And it's hard when things are so surface level all the time. I have learned how to adapt to like do surface level things. I'm not like, oh, I, I can't engage in conversations. I hate small talk. Like I, I realize that it's just like a part of being human. Like you're going to have to, sm- you can't get deep with everyone and maybe you shouldn't, but I do enjoy deepness and depth. I can very much appreciate and Again, to your point, like the way that we create long lasting, sustainable relationships and partnerships of all kind is by that deeper connection. You know, you talk a lot about white supremacy culture and how it shows up specifically in your world related to like spiritual businesses and then life in general, again, as black women in America. And I I also think about how when it comes to relationships and like beauty in particular, 
part of the scam of white supremacy is how shallow it is and like how yeah. surface level and how superficial. And so we can absolutely, you know, find value and just like be aesthetically pleasing, but in order for it to have meaning and have like real attachment to it, you have to be willing to dive deeper. Yeah. And what is so interesting for me is like actually aesthetic is so such a big thing for me but not when it comes to like humans I mean when it comes to humans too (laughs) you know I'm not expecting oh yeah I guess even in my aesthetic I'm expecting depth yeah it can't just be surface level aesthetic surface level beauty I can appreciate surface level beauty that's totally fine because like let's be real not everyone can tolerate depth not everyone can get deep And that's also okay, but then we're probably just not in alignment. That's why me and white supremacy culture has such a hard time. (laughs) Um, Why you have such a hard time? (laughs) It's because of the aesthetic. No, (laughs) but the more you navigate it and you realize, like you're saying, like these illusions and like the surface level of it all, you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that we have to deal with this. (laughs) this can't be how we live yeah like this can't be it for the rest of our lives but it it actually probably is unfortunately so my coping mechanism is to talk about it (laughs) well and and like you know in all seriousness you can't do anything about it if you're not talking about it you can't fix something if you're not saying what's broken which a lot of people do though like they navigate through this world like just accepting things as they are i feel like there's two coping mechanisms one assimilating and just acting as if nothing is going on because like me mentally they can't take it or two like exposing it talking about it so much i'm trying to find the balance between actually no i'm not trying to find the balance between those two but i'm trying to find a balance of like talking about it but also actively taking care of myself and doing it in a sustainable way so it doesn't feel like so jarring and also so it's not so jarring to other people because some people just literally can't handle it and it has less to do with them but more to do with like how you feel in these spaces and how you also prioritize yourself in these spaces i'm in a racial justice and healing training certificate program right now through the james bell um institute and something that we actually talked about really recently was unfortunately the thing that is most common amongst people who work in any type of social justice space in a real and meaningful way particularly for black and brown folks is burnout like that is the thing that surprises us all and the finding that balance between how do I ground myself in the work? How do I take care of myself as a human? Because I can't do the work if I don't do that. Mm-hmm. And also something that I had brought up personally of how do I remind myself that I am not responsible for dismantling a whole system by myself. I have my part, but again, sort of the scam of white supremacy is this all or nothing. For the podcast, for example, if I'm going to dismantle colonial beauty standards and the way white supremacy has impacted beauty, then that must mean that my podcast by itself has to do 
everything. <laughs> and that's simply not true, not possible. And what kind of revolution was one person? So a lot of the work I do too is in like in the spiritual wellness space. And so when I first entered the space, I would constantly hear people say their reason for like doing healing work or whatever, say they were a coach or a podcast or whatever, was I just want to heal the collective. And I hated <laughs> hearing that so much. I was like, be for real. Like, how can you hear the collective? You don't even know what's going on with most of the people in the collective. It sounds so pretentious. It sounds so white saver. It like bothers me. It bothered me so much. And, you know, I wasn't doing this work and I didn't understand why, but I was just like, no, I don't want to hear the collective. I'm just trying to create a way for me not to be miserable. Like that is honestly my mission. Sometimes they tell me, they'll send me a message. These are all nice messages, but they're like, this work seems to really light you up, but you really feel so, it seems like you're really passionate about this. And thank you so much for helping others. And I'm like, honestly, I'm just trying to help myself. And I think that's okay. That's okay. Obviously, yes, I do care so much about community work. I care so much about Black and Indigenous people. But also, as someone who's Black and Indigenous, I, it's like, yeah, like I'm just trying to survive too. And I don't want to be here and be miserable because some people can't get it together, you know? So I'm going to take upon myself to do what I need to do for myself, for my community and for my family. And then those who intersect, right? Because again, community work is so important. It's all intersecting. My motivation, my mission isn't the collective, isn't all black and brown folk because like that is just not possible. It's not attainable. Like you have to start with yourself. Like if I don't show and center myself in this work, how will I be able to center other people as they come and as I intersect with them? It won't be possible. And so I think, yes, that mentality is just embedded in everything we do. And sometimes I cringe too, like in the marketing space, like when you're trying to market your uh, your services and share what you do with others, it's that very all or nothing mentality. And I'm like, I'm not going to save you. Honestly, I just want to help you create safer spaces and I'll show you the systems to do it in a way that's sustainable. I am not the end all be all, all power. My way is not the only way or the solely right way. It's just a way. It is one of the ways. This is so important. And I think directly relates to how we dismantle these like really problematic beauty standards and like the beauty industry, trademark, big beauty, whatever, in that if it works for you, it works for you. And that's great. It does not have to work for me. And what works for me does not have to work for you. What what does have to happen is that we have the space to live and exist in the ways that make sense for us. And again, white supremacy leads us to believe in assimilation and that we all have to be doing it the same way. We all have to be acting in an aesthetic and a style all the same way. And even when you think about business, the way you market your business is going to be radically different than the way somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. And it should be because you're different people. And I think sometimes people get confused. There's a difference between honoring uniqueness and being individualistic. Like those are two different things. Also totally hate individualism. I think it's ruining us. It is. It is. It is crushing us quite literally. And people don't understand too. They're like thinking like, oh, so if I center myself, I'm individual. I'm centering individualism. It's like, 
It depends how you do it. I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> yeah. Even lately, people have been calling me an activist. And I'm just like, I honestly don't resonate with being an activist. When you Google the definition, sure, what I do maybe is that. The way that people talk about it is in such an individual individualistic manner i'm thinking we should all be doing this so we're all activists right like free right like this is a community effort it's not just a sole person effort and if i'm the sole person in your reality that you see doing this work that means that something is not maybe look within and bothering me certain things that with the notes and i know people think it sounds so encouraging or like it's a compliment on the surface level it is but also it's so reflective of like where we are in these social systems and how we perpetuate them unconsciously all the time that's why i said our language is so important too because your language really 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 does show the way that you think about things well also forget the (laughs) deeply fucked and violent history of black activists in particular in this country the minute that someone got labeled as an activist there was a giant target on them and like you write that on my instagram right like i don't need that kind of grief in my life yeah enough just existing And like, yes, there are things that I advocate for. Yes, there are things that I'm actively involved in, especially as someone working in like politics for the most part. And also, I don't need to be an activist. I want to go home and watch Married at First Sight and be left alone. (laughs) Yeah. And I really do think too, like, obviously I am intentional about the work I'm doing, but, and the things I'm talking about, but I feel like we should all be doing it so that's what also confuses me i'm like wait you're not having these conversations is this not a tuesday night yeah like i'm not like i'm not in the street protesting but i'm having a conversation i don't know but i do know everyone's in different places everyone's on different parts of their journey but yeah it's interesting like the words that people use, the terms that they use are so reflective of like where they, how they think about things and where they're at. It's so reflective of like their biases. Like people say things without saying things. So much even within like beauty standards too, like certain things that are sad. You can see people's biases so clearly. Something that I get from a lot of folks is like, oh, I'm just so afraid of saying the wrong thing. It's like, you're not afraid of saying the wrong thing. You quite literally don't know what you're saying. You're also not actually afraid of saying the wrong thing. You're afraid of consequences. Yeah, like you're, you're afraid of like what might happen. There's either two things. Number one, maybe you learned how to be intentional and not say quote unquote the wrong thing. Or number two, which I think we should all really embrace, is you understand you're human, you might say the wrong things, but you're open to learning and you're open to taking accountability. And it yeah. doesn't have to be a huge deal. It doesn't have to be like this really um, disrupt <laughs> thing. I'm not afraid of saying the wrong thing, but I say the wrong thing all the time. Yeah. Quite literally too, I have a speech impediment, but like, <laughs> okay, like offensive thing. It's like, oh my goodness, my bad. Wow. I have bias or something that I need to sort out, sort out. Let me apologize if apology is due. Let me educate myself and if I need to educate myself. And then like keep it moving. There's often such a production that happens. Yeah. Which again, I'm like, you're not afraid of saying the wrong thing. You're afraid of how will I prove to everyone that I'm a good person? 
I misstep, how will I demonstrate to the world that I'm a good instead of, like you said, just apologize, educate, and like do better the next time. Like, yeah. It's yeah. truly not that deep. And I can't stress that enough. <laughs> and we always see examples of this, like folks who do it the right way. Like Lizzo is one, Beyonce are one. It's not a coincidence that they're black, both black women. So like, you know, thinking about how the different ways in which people show up in in community spaces and how that can often be telling. Um, I feel like that is such a skill that you learn and develop over time of of like catching that, Mm -hmm. um, that only sort of comes with experience. And so I'm curious, how has your definition or your understanding of beauty changed over time as you've learned more? That's really a good question. I will say too, I never had a moment when I was like, oh, I have to learn like all these ways that I thought like you had to be, but you're not. Because my mom never really followed any beauty standards growing up. And she kind of just showed up as she was. I think the only thing that intersects with it that is like a beauty standard is body issues or whatever. And that has shifted for me a lot where First of all, understanding that people's definition of like body types is so different. And like one person's skinny may not be someone else's skinny. Mm, Yeah, yeah. That's something that has really shifted for me for a very long time. How skinny looks Mm -hmm. and what's acceptable, acceptable to be skinny and what's not. And the fear of being in a bigger body. Like, I don't understand, and nobody come for me. Please don't come for me. But I don't understand midsize. I really don't. Let's Um, get into it. (laughs) I know the TikTok girlies are so passionate about this. Deeply, deeply. To me, midsize is the dominant culture equivalent of slim thick, which doesn't make any sense. But it's like, (laughs) for some reason... People decided, and this is like some of my frustration and annoyance with like the body positive movement as it got super co-opted by whiteness, Mm -hmm. is that everyone, instead of saying everyone can exist in a body and every single body is a good body, done, they said everybody will exist inside a category and will allow those categories to be good to a point, if we're being quite honest. And so in terms of like, fashion and clothing and designers, we had straight sizes. And then you had plus size, which was everything from a 16, 18 and up. And then everyone said, well, we're gonna not glamorize thinness, which like, okay, cool, great. Yeah, let's not. What if we just let humans have their fucking bodies and live their lives? So, Mm. you know, all the like size eight and under girlies, we're gonna neutralize you. You're just existing. They got the benefits of body positivity, in my opinion. I will not be fighting with anyone in the comments, so keep them to yourself. Then the plus size, fat, super fat, infinifat people were like, we've never had room in the body positive movement. It was never actually for us. Mm -hmm. So like, we're going to branch out and do our own thing, our own version of body positivity, body neutrality, like fat liberation, all the things, right? So then the like size 10 to like 14 girlies 
said, what about us? I'm going to say something controversial. And again, I'm not fighting with anyone. When you have problematic multiracial people whose entire identity is based on, I was never Black enough for Black people and I was never white enough for white people. And no nuance, no nothing added to it. It's just like, this is their only personality trait. Mm -hmm. The same thing happened in the creation of midsize. I'm not skinny enough to be yeah. straight, the like classic straight size girlies. And I'm not fat enough to be with the plus size girlies. So I'm going to have my own thing called midsize. Again, but I don't even think it is not that they're not fat enough. I think they don't yeah. want to be. They don't, they don't want to be. No, it's, it's not, I'm not fat enough in terms of fat people are not allowing them in. It's yeah. them saying, oh, I'm not fat enough to be with them. Yeah. My own thing. <laughs> Which again, when you think about like problematic multiracial people, I absolutely believe that whiteness rejected you because that's how white supremacy works. Yeah. I have a harder time believing that all black folks rejected you because you were quote too white and maybe yeah. some internal work that needed to happen in order to not have so much internalized anti-blackness popping the fuck out all the time. Same right. is true for guys. Maybe you need to address the anti-fatness that is living inside you and you can just exist. To me, it's such a, like growing up, Right. It's a fairly new term. So growing up, it's either like, okay, you're skinny or you're fat. Even if you're at what they consider midsize right now, you would be bigger. Right. Oh my God. There's no word more irritating than describing someone as bigger. It's like bigger than what? Bigger than an infant? Yeah. They would just say you're bigger. And also what is so confusing too is someone's size does not correlate with how they look. (laughs) <laughs> There's so many people I know who like wear the same size as me. Like right now I'm a size 18, but someone called me mid-size the other day. I have had this exact same problem. I'm a size 16, 18, depending. I can always fit an 18 and a 2X. Like if I'm ever in doubt, mm-hmm. I know those are the sizes that will work for me. And someone also called me mid-size and I said, middle of what? The average size for a woman in America is, I think, a 16 or an 18. So, like, you could say I'm average, which as a Leo, I would work really hard not to take personally, but it would be accurate. But mid, a middle of what? What size am I the middle of? Because I am, I am plus, I'm plus size. Like, that is it. Clearly, people cannot tell. Like, every time I say my size, people are like, oh, my gosh, she looks smaller. Smaller than what? Like, that's the thing. It's like, what in your mm-hmm. head? It like, detects the size. You're telling on yourself. Of, yeah. You've decided in your head that an 18 looks like this. A plus size yeah. looks like this. And if you don't fit that mold, then you must be something else. God forbid we just say people can just exist. I think it changes from space to space. Recently, I have been called or told I've had pretty privilege. I'm always like, what? I mean, I I don't know if I have story. Like, because there's some people you hear stories where they're like, my pretty privilege helped me with this. I don't doubt that my more symmetrical face helped me in some ways. It's like such a spectrum and it depends what spaces you're in. Because for example, the, the city I live in right now is like pretty white. And I will tell you right now, I do not get pretty privilege here. Okay. Yes. I have 
also been accused of pretty privilege. Like, oh my God, it's really hard having people tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> so uh, hard. But, but <laughs> to that, <laughs> but to that exact point, there are absolutely places and spaces where I am attractive. And have I used that to my advantage? Absolutely. I didn't create this system, but I absolutely will benefit from it. There are also spaces where I am not attractive. And if anything, everything about me and my physical appearance has worked against me. Yeah, that's where I am right now. So please send your thoughts and prayers. I'm sending you love and light. And again, I think this is where race and aesthetic really plays a part. I did not have my first kiss until I got to college. No boy in high school thought I was attractive because I was in a majority white school and was often the only black girl in the spaces. Here's the thing. I've had the same face my entire life. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not like I had some wildly different, which even if I did, who cares, whatever. In high school, took it personally and said, I must not be pretty. I must be a hideous monster. All mm-hmm. the things I had to like work through in therapy and got to college and was like, oh, I can catch a man. I can catch a woman. I can, <laughs> like, I am very aware of how I show up in spaces and and like attractiveness mm-hmm. and that was because I moved to Los Angeles where there was much more diverse people and like I wasn't the only one in spaces and I was found attractive by different types of people and different groups of people and for whatever reason and so I think what people are missing in pretty privilege when they talk about it is in trying to critique it they're still upholding white supremacist standards and ideologies yeah. and it's like you're not <laughs> you think you're really on to something, but you're just replicating the exact same systems of harm in trying to dismantle them. So you're not doing that. (laughs) And also, I feel like sometimes they attest some folks of receiving things because of pretty privilege when it could be another privilege that they're just not realizing. So this is like when bias happens. Someone was telling me, I had an important meeting with someone, important quotations. And then the person I was telling someone about the meeting, they're like, oh, it probably went well because you have pretty privilege. And I was just like, it probably went well because I have the privilege of education and I know how to speak. It's like, People trying to find a reason for like why you might benefit in some way, but they can't believe that you could be, well, if you're Black, they don't can't believe that you might be like well-spoken or well-educated or you might have these other privileges. Like I'm yes. the first to say like I have educational privilege. I grew up financially stable. So I have that privilege, which then affects the ways that I can show up today. And I need more people to acknowledge that like, There can be multiple things happening at one time. It does not have Mm -hmm. to be just pretty privilege. Like, I am deeply aware of how I physically present in certain spaces in order to make life easier, in order for survival, in order to get what I want, like whatever the case may be. I didn't make this system, but if I have to live in it, I might as well get what I can and create space to navigate it. Yeah. Yeah, to join me. Right. So like, yes, I have an important meeting. So I showed up in like a really nice outfit with like my face done and my hair, like my locks really like put together, whatever. And also I have a master's degree. I have over a decade of professional experience. Like I, I know that I am smart and good at what I do. So there's also a level of confidence and, and I grew up in a household that 
told me it was my right to be a confident Black woman and I should never dim my light. Mm -hmm. So, like, there are a multitude of things at work beyond just my physical appearance. And again, I am not discounting that that matters because I also know that if I show up in certain spaces not looking a certain way, not looking super put together, I'm probably going to have a harder time if I get anything accomplished at all. See, our pretty privilege then is conditional. And that's the scam of white supremacy. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, my pretty privilege is so conditional, but there's some people who have pretty privilege and it's not conditional. Our lens of beauty, like, what have we dictated as the standards of beauty, especially in the Western world, where it's like certain things? Thinking about that, though, especially this idea of being pretty, being beautiful, have that being a privilege for non-white folks in particular, is conditional. Mm-hmm. What makes you or what has in the past made you question your beauty or question the way that you've perceived yourself? Again, I can't think of instances that have made me question my beauty, but I had thought of instances that make me question my personality. Whereas like people will compliment me on my beauty, not my personality. And I'm like, wait, do I have a shitty personality? <laughs> like what's going on? Because <laughs> my beauty isn't at the forefront. You know, like if I get ready, I'm like, ooh, she's cute. And then like, that is a thing, but that's not what I'm like usually bring into spaces as I'm thinking because automatically I'm like well I'm a black woman that might sound shitty but especially being in the area I'm in like I'm in California there's not a lot of black people in Atlanta it would have been a whole different story so also like just transitioning to another place and I'm at in the central of California so currently now when I'm like entering like spaces I'm not thinking about my beauty because I already know I'm not the standard beauty here Mm -hmm. But when people then approach me based on my beauty or the attractiveness, I'm like, wait, how about my personality? I don't get it. I will never forget. Uh, I was, I think maybe I must have been a senior in college because this happened at a bar and I was still in school. Uh, I was like talking to some dude and, you know, he's like gassing me up, whatever. And it's, we've been talking for a minute and he goes, you know, it's surprising. Like you're really funny. And I remember being deeply offended because if there's one thing, I'm funny. <laughs> I've got the trauma right. to prove it. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> and I right. was like, well, what do you mean? And he was like, oh, I'm just, I wouldn't expect someone like as pretty as you to like be funny. First of all, thank you. I am very pretty. Second of all, I'm also very funny and you've got me fucked up. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So I haven't had that happen to me and I wish it would, but (laughs) shocked you're funny. (laughs) Now that I'm talking about this too, I'm totally centering the male gaze, like for sure, for sure. Because I'm talking about instances with like men, like it's definitely a man thing where they're just like, they focus so much more on like the physical attractiveness. I'm just like, wait, how about the personality though? Like, I don't understand. I have a good personality. <laughs> well, I don't know if I do anymore. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But yeah, I'm always just so, so surprised. And like now definitely it's like the male gaze, like male perception that I'm centering when I'm talking about this. I've never had a moment that I can remember because, you know, trauma, maybe you block it out. But 
I've never had a moment that I can remember where I'm like, I've been through like an ugly phase. I will say that I am a little Virgo Mooney in the sense that I try to attach logic to everything. So I'm like, well, if you're talking about the logic of beauty, like my face is pretty symmetric. I have straight teeth. Like those are the standard things that are like the beauty standards. So I'm like, well, I have those things going for me. I guess I'm good. Now about the personality though. Was that a good joke? (laughs) Tell me I'm funny. That's, I think that's honestly it. Where it's like the amount of time I'm working, I'm working a room and I'm like, (laughs) no, 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 no. I already know she's got the looks. I saw myself in the mirror this morning. What I need to confirm is that we're all vibing. You're also, again, it's going back to that love bombing thing of like, no, I think it would be reasonable for someone to be in love with me instantaneously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's too, like, I'm focusing so much more on the connection, Mm -hmm. but maybe that is a pretty privilege. Like, I don't, we don't have to think about. Oh my God. Do we have pretty privilege? I mean, I've been told in the past, like, two months for two different people that I'm pretty privileged. I'm like, thanks. I, again, think that it has an asterisk and is conditional. It has to do, too, with, like, how much you're investing in yourself, right? Like, I will say I've been investing a lot in myself, like, self-care-wise. I've been centering myself a lot, too. I think that's what they are seeing, too. Like, if you're miserable, then yeah. It's no bueno. To your point earlier of feeling like you didn't have an ugly phase or like an awkward no I probably had an ugly phase but I never had a phase where I was thinking like consistently I was ugly definitely had an ugly phase for sure I hadn't had the photos did I have some questionable style choices absolutely yeah but like when I look back at old photos of myself like when I look back to photos of like when I was deep in my eating disorder or like as my eating disorder was like ramping up and I was really becoming hyper vigilant about my body that's when I mentally had an ugly phase but Mm -hmm. If I am objectively looking at photos from zero to nearly 33, honestly, I mean, other than when I was sick, I wouldn't say I was beautiful when I was in my eating disorder, but I did still get a lot of praise because society is fucked. I like, I didn't, I didn't actually have an ugly face. Like I was always a cute kid. My mom put me in baby pageants. You're talking to a baby pageant winner. Oh my gosh, I and wish then, I was in baby pageants. Get canceled. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was always beautiful. It's so strange. Um, no, but like genuinely, like sure, I had like like I went through puberty, like all of us, and like whatever. But like objectively, your girl was above a five pretty much her entire life. But to your point, there absolutely are times where I thought. I was hideous where I thought Mm. I was ugly. I thought I was a monster. And that was based off of trauma and trauma finding something to latch on based off of white beauty standards that I was never going to fit in because I am not white. Funny thing. Yeah, I had ugly phases where I thought I was ugly, but like if I removed the really fucked lens that I was looking through, I was fine. So see, like maybe it's just, I think my brain works so much differently. So like similar to you, like high school, I didn't date anyone. Didn't have my first case until even after college, actually. I was just thinking in my head, like, dang, they just don't like my personality. I didn't go to the beauty part. You're like, I know it's not my looks. <laughs> well, I, I don't even think it was that, but I wasn't even thinking that was a factor. You were saying earlier of how like surface level initial, just like you see something, you see someone 
doesn't really do it for you. Like you need to dig deeper, get to know them more. So it makes sense. Yeah. That the first thing you would think of, of why the rejection was happening was because of something deeper. Wow. We're always learning. We're multifaceted. She contains multitudes. I'm also uh, now realizing that I am no wonder I have a hard time dating. You're like pieces of the puzzle. Especially here. So please pray for me. Wow. Beauty. What a thing. Beauty. Um, which this is perfect. My last question for you is who or what makes you feel beautiful? Myself. I don't know. That's the only thing that comes to mind. I really hype myself up. There are moments, again, it's kind of small town mentality. I mean, I grew up in Atlanta, grew up like my parents kind of letting me do whatever I want in terms of like expression wise, like clothing wise, the sex wise, whatever. Grew up a little bougie too. We were shopping in the South of France, but only because we have family in France. Okay. And again, like my whole thing is aesthetics, right? So I'll, there'll even be moments where like, I'll have like a, a co-worker or someone tell me, oh, like that jacket, like I don't really like it. And I'm like, and? Yes. I hype myself up. Like I'm like, this is a moment. This is me. You clearly don't look as good as me. So your opinion is irrelevant. Ooh, Not even yeah. in the face, you know? I'm talking about just like aesthetic wise. Like, right. Like you couldn't put together what I've put together. Yeah, you're not seeing the vision. So obviously your opinion is not relevant. I love that. I think that is brilliant, beautiful. I also want more of that, right? Like, again, going back to this idea of we don't all have to look a certain way, be a certain way, have a certain thing in order to be beautiful. Truly, beauty is a thousand percent subjective. Mm -hmm. White supremacy has scammed us into believing that it is objective and determined by whiteness so like if you like it i love it right like <laughs> yeah and more people need to know that like i can't tell you how many times like okay this is just like work stuff and granted i am a teacher and like there's a lot of older teachers but i have these purple mules and like i can't tell you how so many people have commented and like they're like i don't get that shoe style or like it's not like my thing clearly you don't get it obviously you wear slats <laughs> okay you're wearing chinos why would i be taking it yeah like duh you don't see the vision i'm i'm sorry that you don't have it in you but me i'm having myself up so i'm like also sometimes when people tell me things i'm like why are they telling me this do they think it's gonna hurt my feelings i don't understand right which i think this is also part of the experience of being a black person in america yeah is so many people are have decided that they can say things to us any kind of way yes not like an adaptive skill is like i don't care <laughs> like <laughs> that is so true and i think that's also it too like for example where i work again sorry work is so relevant now but i'm the only black teacher oh. so like I've noticed like so many things, hair, right? I'll have people come up to me and they'll say like, I think next time you should do this. So why don't you do this? I'm sorry. When did I ask you for your opinion? It's so bizarre, but I do, do think it's like a black, like them saying it to a black person. But yeah, it doesn't really phase me. Like I'm never like hurt about it because I'm always hyping myself out. If you see me go out wearing something, I have a character in mind. I'm like, who yeah. do I want to be today? And in terms of like physical beauty too, I realize that a lot of people are colorists. 
a lot of people, I am not necessarily the beauty standard. So I already had the mentality that they don't know beauty. <laughs> I sound like such a... <laughs> yes, no, I am into this because yes. it truly, it's like, who are you to tell me what my beauty is when I've seen how you move in the world? Exactly. Like, who are you to tell me if you think I'm pretty or not when I know who you're attracted to? And I'm not trying to shapeshift for you in any way, shape or form. So why do I care? Yeah. And this is why I'm single in the area that I'm in. It sounds like you're saving yourself. I honestly am so grateful for the lessons, but it's rough. I also did look up where I have a Leo placement. Ninth house, Leo. Okay, so that's travel, transportation. I have a reading up, but it says, the way you expand into the rest of your life will feel like taking center stage. This placement demands that its bearer sets itself apart from values or morals taught by their parents or culture teachers in order to declare independence and good moral standing. You feel a strong need to clarify your self-image. Your highest achievement is knowing thyself inside and out and sharing that with the world. Don't stop loving to learn. Don't take your self-confidence for granted. Fortify it every day. Keep asserting that you are as capable as a competent as you know yourself to be. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, yes. That's exactly what we've just been talking about. What I've realized, I think this intersects with everything, but people actually don't know what they're talking about most of the time. (laughs) So (laughs) if someone's telling you like their opinion on something, honestly, most of the time, quite literally has nothing to do with you. It is something happening in their world. This is something I've been reminding myself of a lot more lately is other people's opinions of me is none of my business. Yeah. Unless it's like a genuine, like supportive or like self-actualization thing. But like, again, my purple shoes, I love them. And like, I'm just like, why is this 50 year old man concerned about this? (laughs) Sir, get a life. (laughs) You think I want advice from you, Gerald? And there's other things to be worried about. Like worry about how you perpetuate white supremacy every day in your classroom. Thank you. <laughs> how about you get your own house in order before you come to me in my shoes? All right. Sounds like deflection to me. I'm going to start telling myself that anytime someone has a comment that isn't positive about like something I'm wearing, my hair, whatever, I'm just going to be like, how about you deal with you and your white supremacy? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, th- my thought has been going that to that so much. Lately. <laughs> it's worrying about me shopping and why don't you worry about you, how you perpetuate white supremacy with your either or thinking. Okay. Thank you. Listen, and on that, I simply have nothing else to say. (laughs) Nike, this has truly been so much fun and so wonderful and lovely. Um, If you would like, please share with the people how they can learn more about you, your work, um, and how you just don't care about other people's opinions. I don't, but don't try me because I'm sensitive too. So you can connect with me on um, Instagram, my um, username is Nike Aurea, N-I-K-E-A-U-R-E-A. I also have a website with the same. It's NikeAurea.com. I have my mm-hmm. own podcast called Catalysts. Uh, it's a podcast that centers Black and Indigenous healing and um, learning how to decolonize or start to decolonize our spaces. If someone in your life wants to have comments about what you should find beautiful, 
just refer them to Nike's services. Oh, you don't like my hair? Well, maybe you should examine the white supremacy way that you uphold the beauty standard and you haven't even had a reflection of how we are socialized to participate in these beauty standards because it helps feed capitalism. Yes. I don't even know what I was saying. I kind of blacked out. And that's how you know it's good um that was truly incredible top tier um and as for me and the show you can find us on all the platforms at not ugly pod on instagram and tiktok and pinterest and you can find me your host sarita at sarita fonta s-e-r-i-t-a-f-o-n-t-a on all of those same places and spaces um and we'll see you next time That was the end. Go tell a friend to listen to the Not Ugly Pod. Look, I'm still not a rapper.